You're listening to the Brand Builders Podcast with your hosts, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. Welcome to another Brand Builders Podcast powered by the Dunstan Group. My name is Brian Young, and we are here with DC Lucchese and Kaylin Haldeman from Cultivate Charlotte and Next Stage Consulting. Now, starting a company can be hard, uh, envisioning everything from the direction to the branding to the funding, even human resources. It's no different uh, with a nonprofit organization, even if the goals of that nonprofit are more socially minded than profit driven. Often a, a shoestring budget or when they're working on a shoestring budget, they still need the same type of strategic planning, development and support as a business. Our next guest on the Brand Builders podcast is someone who helps them do that. And we're really excited to learn more. Uh, Kaylin Haldeman is a product development manager at Next Stage Consulting, which is a company that also launched an incubator program for new nonprofits called Cultivate Charlotte. Welcome, Kaylin. And we're so excited to have you. So first things first, tell us a little bit about how Cultivate Charlotte works. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. So Cultivate is our incubator for emerging organizations. Um, Next Stage is a strategy and implementation firm for nonprofits in Charlotte. Uh, so we focus mostly on strategic planning and organizational development across human resources, financial resources, uh, visioning for the future, etc. Um, so when I joined uh, Next Stage as our project development manager about a year and a half ago, um, I, I really noticed that uh, Josh Jacobson, our managing director, and I were offering a, a number of really similar topics to these organizations across the board. So three or four times a week, we could be sitting with these emerging organizations and noticing they all really need the same supports, right? It's about identifying your mission, your vision, and your values, building a plan to attract human and financial resources, and then communicating that to the community. So Josh and I sat down and we, we said, you know, how can we be more efficient in providing these import, important services to the nonprofit sector without really draining them of these resources that they need to implement their missions? Um, and Cultivate was born out of that. So what Cultivate is, is a 12-month incubator, um, monthly curriculum arranged across mission, development, marketing, human resources um, that really helps these organizations develop a strategic business plan to implement their missions. So that's so cool because we were we were just talking um, about Charlotte Creative and learning about how there's so many creative people in Charlotte, but they might lack that business sense, right? They might not understand how to even create a business plan or really take that idea and then implement it. So now having a nonprofit, they probably run into the same issue. We've had had a couple on our podcast now that probably could totally use some of your help. So we'll definitely let them know. But you've just finished your first year, probably learned a lot. Mm -hmm. um, tell us how did the first year go and really what are you positioning yourself or what are you looking forward to in year number two? Yeah, absolutely. Well, the first year was amazing. First of all, we're about, we're in month nine, almost 10 now it's gone so quickly. We can't believe it. Um, the first thing we learned is that there is demand for this program in Charlotte. Um, in year one with the limiting, limited marketing that two people, um, our firm next stage can really do. We got 25 nonprofit applications for four slots. So we know that the need is there. We know that there aren't enough supports in Charlotte for these emerging early stage organizations that are really trying to build these plans. Um, what we also learned is how important the cohort model is for these organizations. So the three nonprofits we worked with in the past year, uh, Charlotte is Creative with Matt Olin and Tim Miner, um, Learning Help Centers of Charlotte with Brett Morris, and then Promising Pages with Christina Cruz. Um, they've come together for both monthly group workshops, one-on-one -on -one intensive coaching sessions with Josh Jacobson and I, and then um, homework assignments throughout the month to contribute towards the strategic business plan. Um, as much as they've gotten from the curriculum that we've 
put together, they, they get from each other, right? Working with other entrepreneurs and learning how everyone is building their plans differently has been a great support system. Tell us, like, when you're talking about nonprofits, what are some of the biggest challenges that you run into, either one that's just starting or maybe one that's already been established? It's a great question. Um, I'd say that one of the biggest challenges that a, non- a lot of nonprofit entrepreneurs face is really creating a cohesive set of mission, vision, and organizational values. So NextStage really places, places a priority on these organizational values. We believe that the values, so the ethos, the words that really signify the identity of a nonprofit, as well as the guiding principles that are how those values are put into place in everyday tactical activities, really contribute to what eventually becomes the organization's internal culture and external brand. So when nonprofits don't understand what those values are and how they can drive them throughout the activities that they do every day, they have a lot of trouble communicating who they are and what their mission means to the community and therefore can't attract the resources they need to be successful. Right. And that's that I think that's probably core to a lot of that is uh, most people probably launch into a not for profit thinking, I want to do good and I want to make things better. And these are the ways I want to do those things. And I need money to do that. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's kind of a gear shift almost for them, right? Yeah, it is. So a lot of a lot of these nonprofit founders aren't necessarily thinking about the business underpinnings that a nonprofit will need to have in order to attract those financial resources to be able to make the intended change that they're talking about, right? So it's they it's almost taking a step back from that passion and that do good mentality to say these are the actual structures that you need to have in place in order to be successful. That's really interesting. So we work with a lot of nonprofits from the branding aspect of it. And so it's really cool to see um, organizations grow, the amount of money that they can raise. And it's it's just neat to kind of see that. But one of the things that I struggle with is getting asked by everyone, right? I mean, it's like every day you're getting asked by a new group. So what my family's done is is at the beginning of the year, we try to figure out the core groups and and the ones that, that mean the most to us or the ones that we feel need the most support from us. And I'm not sitting here saying I'm writing million dollar checks, but to us, it's important. Half it's million a million dollars. Yeah, half right. a million, not nothing. <laughs> Yeah. Gotta spread the money. Yeah. Scott pays me really well <laughs> over here there. at the Dunstan Group. <laughs> yeah, half million. Here you go. I'm gonna have nonprofits at my door this afternoon. So that is <laughs> fake news. Right fake news. <laughs> fake news. Everyone. Fake news. But is that a struggle that um, you mentioned a lot? Like they can't articulate their mission, and and if they can't articulate the mission or articulate what they're trying to do, then it's very difficult to get that money. So how do you position a nonprofit to say, or how do you to kind of help them raise money or help them? kind of create a plan to, to raise the funds that they need. So, yeah. So one of the things that's really surprising um, when I started working in the nonprofit sector was realizing how few of these organizations are doing good market research. So understanding the context of their mission alongside the other, you know, thousands of nonprofit organizations operating in Mecklenburg County. Uh, when these organizations are founded, often the, the founder has this intense passion and desire to create change in their mission, but don't necessarily understand how to work in cohesion or collaboration with other initiatives currently happening in the community. So we really encourage organizations to, one, do that market research, do the comparative research, understand what other both nonprofit organizations and for-profit entities. There's a lot of social entrepreneurship happening in Charlotte now, and how can we partner these, these initiatives together to make sure that change is happening in a way that's not duplicative? And that also creates opportunities for folks who are interested in supporting the nonprofit sector, such as yourself, have an easier way of understanding how to make the best strategic impact with their dollar. Yeah. And I mean, that's I think that's amazing for anybody in the Charlotte area to be able to figure kind of that direction out, even from the nonprofit and from the person that be giving money to the nonprofit. Absolutely. So I, I'm. this is just a personal question. 
Um, you seem very passionate about what you do. You're obviously very uh, knowledgeable on this topic. What kind of brought you to next stage? What kind of, you know, fired you up to be able to do this and really what drives you behind this? I'm just kind of curious what makes you tick and, and what made you kind of get to this point. And now really what, what makes you get out of bed in the morning and say, I'm going to make an impact. Yes. So my background, um, I've actually always worked in the nonprofit sector. Uh, my first job when I was 16, I worked for a homeless shelter in downtown Philadelphia. Um, and I was just struck by the way that folks who work in this sector are so passionate about living out the, the beliefs that they have every day in the work that they do, regardless of the, the profit that they're able to make personally. Um, I think the, the reward of being able to help other people is so significant. Um, so I continued to work in the nonprofit sector throughout college, um, found my way to an organization called the Greenlight Fund uh, after my sophomore year of college and worked there. Um, throughout a couple years after I graduated. Greenlight actually just moved to Charlotte and opened up oh. a site here not long after I did. So what they do is they um, <laughs> they take a strategic approach to philanthropy and they bring in organizations that can make significant change against pre pressing community needs. Um, so I'm very excited to see what they're able to do in the Charlotte nonprofit sector. Um, but when I moved here, I had done a lot of that large-scale strategic nonprofit work and I felt like what was missing was understanding, coming into a new community and understanding on the grassroots level how change is being made. Um, so when I found Josh Jacobs in the next stage, whose focus is really on that emerging space, those young, small nonprofits that are really making an impact at the community level, I, I felt like this is a huge gap in my knowledge base that I really want to fill. Now, without naming names, especially since you really work in the, like you said, the young and emerging and stuff like that, has there ever been a not profit, not for profit idea or anything like that come to you and you guys were like, well, that's just not going to work? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, um, and Next Stage, to Josh's credit, has built up a really great brand in this community that mm -hmm. allows him to have the expertise to have those hard conversations. But what, what we really try to do is we base those conversations on a deep set of research. So we do both comparative and trend research. So that's secondary research about the community. And we also do a lot of primary research. So we, we ask important stakeholders in the community what they think are the pressing needs and what's already existing. And so if, if the recommendation becomes this isn't the right fit for this community, it's not the subjective knowledge base of Josh and I, but it's really a reflection of the community's needs in this moment in time. Wow. wow. I mean, that yeah, wow. that's amazing. And, and it might not be the answer that they want to hear, or maybe it is, but it definitely points them in the right direction. And yeah, I think and that's, it, that's powerful. It doesn't always mean, you know, you're doing the wrong thing. You got to stop it. It might mean take a minute, step back and reframe the way that your mission shows up in community, right? Reframe the way that your programs are, are created and framed. It's, it's wow. about being strategic and thoughtful in the way that you're deploying the passion that you have. So on that note, what would be, you mentioned, you know, 25 applicants, you know, very quickly, you, you took four, I believe mm -hmm. that was the number. What is your ideal applicant? And if, you know, there's a nonprofit out here that is saying, this is me, this is me, what would they look like? And, and if you got that applicant, you go, oh, this is a perfect fit for us. Yeah. So in, in year one, we, so let me take a step back. Uh, Cultivate has a panel of selection, community leaders who are, make up our selection panel. So, um, folks from the Duke Energy Foundation, Ortho Carolina, the Rian Price Fund, et cetera, come together and help us sort through the applicants to really prioritize who, who would benefit most from the Cultivate opportunity. Mm -hmm. um, we look for a number of things. Number one, being fit with pressing community needs. So what we've identified as the emerging needs, 
leading on opportunity this past year has been a big one, obviously, the community's um, expression of passion around um, social capital and economic mobility, things like that, are a lot of interest. Arts and culture are always important initiatives to support in Charlotte. Um, there's emerging focus on the west side neighborhood, so how, how are nonprofits that are community-based and coming up out of the west side being supported to be successful um, through philanthropy, things like that. Interesting. So you guys, first year, it seems like a huge success, or nine months in, not even nine to the year. In, sure, yeah. Um, what's the plan moving forward? If, if you could kind of give us your vision and, and in three to five years, where do you want this to grow? And, and if you got to this one point, what would be an accomplishment or what would be a goal that you would you would succeed with? Yeah. So in year two, we're already growing. So we are hoping to find six nonprofits this year. Um, and those nonprofits are typically founder-led, birth to 10 years in age, um, like I said, fitting those pressing community needs. Um, but, you know, into the future, we, we do hope to continue to grow. We think that this is an, a really important resource for nonprofits in Charlotte. We don't think that our community has quite figured out how to support these emerging entrepreneurs and make sure that the ones that are deserving of long-term success find those structures that help them be successful. Um, we are open to this living as a part of a larger community institution. It doesn't necessarily always have to be tied to the next stage brand. Mm -hmm. Clearly, we want to be part of the implementation of it, but we think that as we continue to provide this at no cost to participating nonprofits, it, it needs to be supported by the broader community. So we're having conversations about how to make that happen. Um, but success just looks like continuing to build a resource that helps our nonprofit sector be more efficient and effective. And are you... Um with the foundation, like the Duke, Duke Energy Foundation, we do some work with them as well. Are, are they starting to help fund those grants or fund the projects? Or are they more of the sponsor on the front end? I, I know you just mentioned that you're trying to kind of figure out how that's going to work from getting the the the, uh, the donations. Am, am I running down the right path here? How, yeah, is that, how is that? Like if we have a company out there right now that goes, wow, like we would love to be able to help a, a nonprofit, you know, get off the ground or, mm -hmm. or maybe be able to support that because in this day and age, it's not about the bottom line. It's what you're doing in the community. And I think Charlotte has an awesome opportunity to mix business and uh, our nonprofit and literally come together with, to be honest, it's like your personal and professional brand. Yeah, they're more absolutely. intertwined than ever. Yeah. Charlotte has such a fantastic corporate community in the way that they're really focused on building up community impact. So we're, we're so blessed to be in this, this city, but we have had great conversations with a number of um, different either foundations or corporate partners um, to express some, there's definitely building interest in being a funder like that. To date, we've received funding from the Reemprise Fund, um, which is a foundation that's really focused on game-changing vision for nonprofits. So they are some of that riskier capital that'll go into sort of piloting new projects, which um, Cultivate was certainly in its pilot year last year. But we're in conversation and absolutely open to um, thinking about how to partner in creative ways. And based on your research and what you're getting feedback wise from the community, where are, not to pin you down, but where, <laughs> but where are you guys seeing opportunity for a young or emerging non nonprofit to make a difference mm. in Charlotte area? That's a great question. Um, I think I really do think that the Charlotte nonprofit sector is ripe for disruption right now. I think across a number of different mm -hmm. issue areas, there's great opportunity. We're seeing, um, so the larger, we call them the blue chip institutions, so the United Ways and the Goodwills and the YMCAs of the world, we're seeing them start to think about how to take on 
emerging nonprofit entrepreneurs as sort of their R&D, right, as sort of the more innovative and interesting ways to approach these social issues. So increasing numbers of partnerships and collaborations are happening, and we want to be supportive of of that however we can. Um, yeah, across the board, I think there are opportunities. So the, the, one of the big things that I know, like with Isabel Santos Foundation, 24 Foundation too, that, that we do a lot of work with, and, and to be honest, I love, they are so particular with where their money goes. Mm-hmm. It is local. It is here. Isabella, I mean, Aaron, excuse me, will take you into the Isabella Santos you know room in um, uh, uh, Levine. And like that's the coolest thing ever to sit there and go, wow, I was part of raising a million dollars and it's now building this new room. And like, that's just like, I, I don't know, you feel like that like special feeling. Is there a way for those large organizations to maybe support a smaller company? Because I feel like they compete and they're trying to say, well, hey, don't give money to the Red Cross because 60% of that goes to a CEO salary. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of their way of, of saying, give money to me. How is there a way to kind of collaborate together? And is that what you're saying, where maybe the Red Cross will take on some of these smaller projects to kind of benefit them? Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. I think there are there's a number of different ways um, to have that conversation. I I, I always want to push back a little bit on the folks who who negatively approach the notion of nonprofit overhead. Um, sure, it's a conversation we can have at the larger nonprofit scale, the Red Crosses of the world. But so often, um, you know, we can't demonize nonprofit employees for taking the salary that is necessary for them to make the impact that they need. Right? We need to, absolutely. We can't starve nonprofits. It's the wrong approach to the problem. Um, but what what can happen, and what we've seen happen, is some of those, you know, the Goodwills, YMCA contract with younger nonprofits. So how can a nonprofit become a vendor? Um, to reach out into populations that these large-scale organizations might not have access to. So say Goodwill wants to work in a new neighborhood in West Charlotte or in North Charlotte, but they don't have the relationships there. What grassroots organizations already have built that trust in that community, and how can they work together in interesting ways? That oh, is a, cool. the exact answer yeah. I wanted. I mean, that, that, <laughs> right on, I mean yeah. that, and that's educating me because I, I don't yeah. know that, right? And yeah. so now when that conversation comes up, I think that's uh, that's something that we can talk about. That's really Absolutely. cool. Thank yeah, you. and it, it's something that's starting to happen, and, and we're trying to think as strategically as we can about how can we encourage that to happen in as many neighborhoods and as many different organizations as possible. Well, and talk to us about timing. If I'm you know e- either a you know, brand new or a burgeoning non-for-profit, when's the right time to reach out to you guys? So we work with nonprofits at every stage of mm-hmm. their existence. So for next stage ourselves, anytime we'll have coffee, we'll have a phone call, we'll figure out the right fit for, for what you're up to. But for Cultivate specifically, um, we're really looking at organizations who can leverage the opportunity. So it, it, the timing is not so much the right value judgment, but it's really about where are you in the build of your organization. So we're looking for organizations that have an idea of the mission have an idea of their vision for impact, and have started to build that constituency, so that group of people who are really bought in and ready to execute. Um, and from there, we can take that business plan and launch it into the future with the right right people behind it. I love it. Well, what what uh, what we'd love to do is 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 obviously tell all our listeners how they can get in touch with you, um, whether they are a nonprofit looking for assistance, um, whether it's just an organization that wants to to get in touch with you, or maybe even if it's a corporation that wants to give back. Tell us a little bit about how they can get in touch with you. Yeah, absolutely. So we are across social media at Next Stage CLT. Uh, you can find more about Cultivate at www.nextstage-consulting.com/apply. Um, and you can reach out to me or Josh, josh at nextstageconsulting.com or kaylin at nextstageconsulting.com. Excellent. Well, Kaylin, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. It was a pleasure. I learned a lot. I hope our listeners learned a lot. DC, thank you as well uh, for joining us. And uh, 
If you guys are listening, definitely look up Cultivate Charlotte and Next Stage Consulting. They're doing great work here in Charlotte. And it was a pleasure to have you guys on the podcast. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to be here. You've been listening to the Brand Builders Podcast, brought to you by the Dunstan Group with your host, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. For branded merchandise and apparel that makes first impressions and ones that last, check out the Dunstan Group at dunstangroup.com.